lend me your ear while I tell you a story. A story that is based on actual events. All right? Okay. Once upon a time, there was a hero. My daddy. Say hi to daddy. But he's not just any hero, mind you. He's the sort of hero that rises in the midst of darkness. Ah! To battle the forces of evil that came out of nowhere. And the spiral's all like, super scary. And I think there was this huge moth. Yep, there he is. Oh man, boom, whoosh, boom. And daddy was all like, boom, slash. There, all safe and comfy. Was he born a hero? Oh, I think not. He was chosen to protect and provide for those he loves. Is he a little stinky sometimes? No, I mean yes, but it doesn't matter. As long as we're together, smiles are to be had and adventures are to be shared. Plus, Mommy says he's the walking definition of a handsome gentleman. So that's good. Being a hero and a daddy comes with great responsibility. And there are times when he simply must be celebrated. So here's to my hero and all the other daddies out there. May God bless you and give you the happiest Father's Day ever. Well, happy Father's Day to everyone. We're glad you're here. My wife has a couple of announcements. Yes, if you are new with us, we ask that you take a connection card from the seat in front of you and put that in the box on the back wall at any time. Also, we have growth track coming up. So all of you, you newbies in the last several months who have joined us, we want you all to come to growth track, our three class course starting June 30th. It's immediately after service in the lobby. We provide lunch and childcare if you need it, if you'll let us know. Um, also, next week, we have missionaries Chad and Terry Nelson coming to join us. So some of you may remember them, but we have several missionaries that we as a church support, that you support, um, that we are a giving, tithing church for everything that comes in. We give to missions. And so these are one of our longest supporting missionaries, I think, yes. right? Were these our first missionaries for years? The first check that the church ever wrote was to them. Mm-hmm. It was the very first check we ever wrote, and it was before we launched. And they have finished their five years in Dominican, their own hiatus break, um, and then they'll go back to Dominican, and they are seeing all the churches that support them. So they'll be doing the entire service next week. Yes, so don't miss that. They're great with their daughter, too. And that's it. That's it. Mm-hmm. All right, great. Looking forward to that. I haven't seen them in over five years, and uh, we talk, you know, on the phone a little bit and Skype, but he's such a pastor, such a great uh, pastor, even though he's a missionary. So they run 16 schools with about 5,000 kids and an after-school program, and each school is connected to a local church. Come on, I can get behind that. Come on, amen, preaching the gospel. They don't just feed them. They don't just babysit them. They teach them the gospel of Jesus Christ. So praise God. Well, we are in the middle of a series on this Father's Day called Seasons. Seasons. We've all got seasons. Oh, how I enjoyed Tuesday and Wednesday of that wonderful coffee morning, 68-degree season. But, <laughs> but it's over. 
You're like, no, close the doors, turn on the air conditioner. We were hanging meat yesterday at my house, 67 degrees. My wife's like, it's hot in here. It's like that poor AC is just giving it all it's got. It's the little engine that could. Seasons, we all have them. We all live in them. God has a plan and a purpose for every one of our seasons. He wants us to thrive in every season. That's the biblical picture. Turn with me to Luke 13. Let's learn something new from the Word of God. Oh, to honor it and lift it up. Beautiful words. Every word is perfect and beautiful. We're going to read a lot of the red this morning. Our primary text is Luke 13 is 6 through 9, but we have to read 1 through 5 to understand what's going on. It all happens at the same time, so we don't want to get a half a picture. You don't watch half a movie. Oh, my good, that'll drive you crazy. Let's get the whole picture here and look at this. Luke 13, 1 through 9. There were present at that season some who told him, Jesus, about the Galatians whose blood Pilate had mingled whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. Now, I have to tell you the backstory of this, or it doesn't make, you know, what in the world's going on. So the Galatians are in the north by Galilee. They're a mixed group, and they are a more aggressive kind of a style of people, like the fighting Irish. And Rome's ruling, and, and they get a group together. Actually, Acts 5 talks about it. They are frustrated, and they try to, to there, there is talks in Galatia that they're going to start a coup, and they're going to try to break off and see if they can get some division from Rome. Well, Pilate hears about it. And he sneaks, he sends an assassination group, it wasn't public, into the temple. So they're doing sacrifices. They came down on vacation to do their sacrifices like the Jews did because they had to go to Jerusalem. He takes them all out. Bloody, violent, and as the blood of the sacrifice of those lambs is happening, so their blood's happening at the same time. And it's big news, right? That would be big news. And that's what happened. So they're asking Jesus, have you heard about this? Verse 2. And Jesus answered and said, Do you suppose that these Galatians were worse sinners than all the other Galatians because they suffered such things? I tell you no, but unless you repent, you will also likewise perish. Or... Those 18 to whom the, the Tower of Siloam fell and killed them. Do you think that they were worse sinners than all other men who dwelt in Jerusalem? I tell you no, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. So this is the picture. It rains on the just and just alike. I don't care if you're of Abraham's seed or not. You are not. You better come to Jesus. You better come to repentance. John's already been proclaiming it. I'm here the way, the truth, and the life. You have got to have salvation no matter your pedigree, no matter your... Uh, Race, ethnicity, it doesn't matter. He brings everyone to the same playing field. Verse 6. He also spoke this parable. A certain man had a fig tree which planted it, which he had planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. Then he said to the keeper of his vineyard, Look, for three years I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree and found none and find none. Cut it down. Why does it use up the ground? But he answered and said to him, Sir, let it alone this year also until I dig around it and fertilize it. And if it bear fruit, well, good, we'll both be happy. But if not, after that, you may cut it down. This is a picture of seasons, a picture of something should be producing fruit and it's not. Let's learn some things from the word of God here. So we see verse 1 through 5, if you rebel against Rome you get Rome's judgment. If you rebel against God, there's God's judgment. That's the parallel there. 
That's what we're looking at here, and he's teaching us in these seasons. The tower that fell on the people, they were building a tower. I don't know if you remember, you read the scripture, the story when Jesus came to the pool of Siloam. There was a a beggar there, one who had been lame. He said, what's what's your deal? He said, well, I've been here for 30 years. I try to get in the water because an angel comes down and touches it. Whoever gets in the water first, they're healed. But, you know, I can't. All these excuses, all these things, someone always gets in there before me. That tower would have fallen on lame people. That's why he's saying everyone has to have salvation. It doesn't matter where you are. So he, plan- he's, he, he brings that picture to all of these people. So let's look at this. Verse 6. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. He came looking for something, expecting something, and found nothing. Oh, the blood of Jesus is so wonderful. Oh, his salvation is so great. Oh, his blessings are so many. Oh, his faithfulness is beyond comprehension. Oh, his mercies are new every morning. And because of all that, number one on your notes, God is expecting fruit from us. He's expecting it. The owner of the vineyard is expecting it. Now, why is the owner expecting it? There are no unnecessary details in the Bible. There's something that doesn't make sense there when the reader hears it when Jesus first spoke it, and it's this. You don't plant fig trees in vineyards. This is a fig tree planted in a vineyard. Vineyards were the best soil. Vineyards were the top. If you're in a vineyard, it's going to grow. In fact, the only other story we have of the fig tree in the Bible is the fig tree that didn't produce anything, and Jesus cursed it. Remember that one? It's in the way, the side of the road, the Bible says. It's in the ditch. (laughs) That's where fig trees go. I'm going to tell you, I'm a fig tree. Oh, but he loves me. Oh, how I can be called a son of the living God. How you can be called a daughter of the Most High by the blood of Jesus. We're in vineyards, aren't we? We are in vineyards. And so he expects, he expects fruit from us. He's expecting it. Now, you know, I see this and I think, oh, no, there's a quota to be met. Do you think like that? There's a quota. And you have this, this is not God. You have this boss sitting there tapping his, looking at his watch. Come on, get it done. That's not my Savior. That's the world. My Savior doesn't have some quota. I see a loving father, a father who's given me everything, a father who's cheering me on. Right? You got kids. It's Father's Day. Says you can do this. Who's given me everything I need for life and godliness and saying you can do it. I'm with you. I'm expecting it. I'll help you every step of the way. He's expecting fruit from us. You know, when you're young and insecure or if you dealt with a lot of failure in your life, This is a hurdle you have to get over, right? You have to say, Lord, I know everything's made new through Christ. I am expecting to produce fruit because I know you are. He's expecting and looking at it. This is throughout all the Bible. Let's look at some scripture here. Hebrews 13, 15. Let's look at this. Therefore, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit 
of our lips giving thanks to him. The first thing he's expecting is he's expecting verbal communication with him. That's prayer. That's worship. I loved worship this morning. Not only because I'm worshiping, not only because this praise team is worshiping, I hear you. I see you. We are a worshiping church and we'll have no other. Amen? We are a worshiping church because the sacrifice of praise to God, that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. I even love the worship set. It was so thankful. Everything about him, let everything that has breath in just praising him. Let's keep reading here. Verse 16. But do not forget to do good and to share for, for with such sacrifices, God is where pleased. Here's another one. Not only the fruit of our lips, not only are you a worshiper who just loves to help people who just loves to do things for people, who, who's good with their hands. That is a sacrifice and fruit to the Lord. Here's another one. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch over your souls as though who must give account. Let him do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable to you. There's another one. Oh, that to be respectful, to be submissive. Oh, that's a fruit to God. That's a beautiful thing to, that he can come in expecting that. Here's one of the most popular ones, Galatians 5.22. Let's look at this one. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Oh, thank you, Lord, for grace. You know, when I think about the New Testament, you think about the rebukes of, of Jesus and the rebukes of John the Baptist. You know the first rebuke in the New Testament? Look at it right here. Luke 3, chapter 3, verse 9. Look at this first rebuke by John the Baptist to a group of people. Then he, John the Baptist, said to the multitudes that came out to be baptized by him, Brood of vipers. I'm going to tell you, first of all, John the Baptist was not a pastor. Because a pastor doing that would be certain doom because he actually has to see the people the next week. John the Baptist is just some crazy evangelist. I, that's not fair. He can just rip them, call them whatever. He doesn't, it doesn't matter to him because he's an evangelist just tearing it up and everything. A pastor could never do that. You can't call people a brood of vipers. It doesn't matter. They may be. You can't call them that. What's wrong with you? Who warns you to flee from the wrath to come? Look at the next verse. Therefore, do what? I was expecting fruit. The rebuke came because I came, you came here and you're barren. Therefore, bear fruits worthy of repentance. And do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as your father. Because everyone's in the same soil. You have to have repentance. It doesn't matter. You must come to the cross. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. The rebuke always comes when the father comes expecting fruit and is barren. So we as Christians, because of the blood, because of the grace, we step and say, okay, Lord, you expect me to be producing fruit. You expect it. God is expecting it. And that is the Christian view. That's the biblical worldview we want to work with. I'll tell you, living and working in a garden, in a local church, in ministry, it doesn't guarantee fruit. But I tell you, it'll greatly increase your chances. Huh? Come on. 
That's why you guys are here. You are, everybody does something. God is expecting fruit. You know, <laughs> I did youth ministry for years. You know, you got lots of great stories if you hung out with teenagers for years. Good ones, bad ones, ones you try to forget. We had this when I first started ministry. I'm like in my 20s. I'm a kid. I don't know what's going on. You know, I'm just, ah, Jesus, let's follow me. I don't even know we're going the right direction. <laughs> we had this one kid named Michael. Oh, he was the knucklehead of knuckleheads. He was a space cadet. He was doing goofy things. Oh, his mother would call me. She was a single mom. His dad passed away tragically. His mother would call me, and I was just like, oh, Michael, Michael, Michael. Well, I'd have him in his office. I'd go take him to lunch. I'd talk to him. I'd hang out with him. But he had one phenomenal redeeming quality that you just, it endeared you to him. He would make, he made more mistakes than any youth I'd ever met. But he was so repentive, so honest. Michael, did you do that? Yes, sir, I did. I did that. I don't know why. That's almost illegal. But he was so repentant. It was borderline. I don't know. The cops may want to arrest you for that. But he was so repentant. He would just every time he never came barren. He, he was so repentant. He would come, I messed up. I'm so sorry. The senior pastor would have to get on him. Would he get mad? Would he leave and be full of rebellion? No. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I was wrong. I don't know why I did that. I shouldn't lock that kid in the bathroom at church. <laughs> we made him a youth leader. <laughs> I'm not saying that was a good decision. I'm just saying he wasn't barren because he always brought fruits of repentance. He always just humbly came in and said, man, I messed this up again. I cannot tell you how many times he said, yep, that was me. I did it again. I'm sorry. That's what we need. God is expecting that. That is how you remain fruitful all your life. What does the Bible say about the hardness of heart? It's only the hard ground that doesn't produce. Right? It's that hard ground. If we'll keep that heart soft, you always produce fruit. Let's keep looking here. We're back in Luke 13. Verse 7. Then he said to the keeper of the vineyard. So we're having a dialogue. Two people here in this parable. Then he said to the keeper of the vineyard, you can see this as God the Father and the Son. Look, for three years I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree. This is a play on words. Jesus is toward the end of his three-year ministry in Israel and all around. And find none. Cut it down. Why does it use up the ground? These are Strong, potent words. I came looking for fruit. I find none. Cut it down. It's highly prophetic also. The very next generation, Nero would come in and decimate and destroy Israel. The temple would be destroyed. It was prophetic in every word out of the mouth of Christ. is prophetic in some way. It would be destroyed. I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. Cut it down. I'm going to tell you about 
serving Jesus as you know so much. You, some of you have served the Lord way longer. Doing ministry. Talking to people like Jesus. Keeping your heart right. That's the hardest thing in the world right there. You keeping that heart right. That's work. Oh, that's prayer. That's fasting. That's reading. Children's ministry. Worship team. Being a light out in the world. Oh, it's, can it be tiring? Put whatever difficulty you want to put to it. You can do it. It's, it, it's validated. You wouldn't be overstating it. But I'm going to tell you what it never is. Number two on your notes. Fruitless living invites disaster. Disaster. Cut it down. Who got up earlier than they wanted to this morning? Come on. Come on. Come, let's be honest. Come on. I did, and I'm the pastor. I have two alarms because my flesh wants to take over the other one. Got to get that other alarm. It'll invite some fatigue, some self-sacrifice. That's the nature of Christianity. I will not be contrary to my Savior. It's self, it's sacrificial in its nature. Whoever tells you different is contrary to Christ. Amen? It's all of those things, but it is never disastrous. The only disastrous life is a life apart from the local body, apart from Christ, apart from people, apart and separated. That is the disastrous life. I'll take fatigue. I'll take tired. I'll take this. I'll take my heart got hurt. They hurt me. They did this. This happened. I'll take it any day of the week because I will never have disaster. Amen? I'm sorry. Boy, that was a heavy one. How do you not be heavy with the word disaster? Sorry, it's Father's Day. <laughs> I was thinking about this and something that happened in my life a few years ago, about 10 years ago. This was actually not done on purpose. I have glasses on today. My contacts would give me issues. About 10 years ago, I had to start wearing contacts like most of you, right? Had good eyes, so about 30-ish. So I go in about 35-ish, and the doc, eye doctor takes a look. She goes, well, you know, your eyes are slipping. You're not really a candidate for surgery because they haven't found the bottom yet and you're getting too old and da da da. She goes, what do you do? I said, well, I'm a pastor and how much computer do you look at? I said, well, all my studies on computer now. I said, I, I can't carry around 500 pounds of books, right? I don't live right by a biblical library. So I, I have, it's so wonderful because I was right at the edge in college of going the computer age. So the hours in that ridiculous library at school, oh, I remember it. It was so nice to just do this, and everything in the world is there. And it's a lot of study. I mean, theology is a, a big uh, study. So she goes, um, so you have to study a lot. I said, yeah, you know, I'm spending you know, 20 hours a week on a computer. She goes, well, is there, is there anything you can do? Can you change that? Can you, you know, not do that maybe? Can you do something else? I said, do something else. I said, No. She goes, well, you know, look away every whatever minutes or whatever. And I, that story came to me when I started thinking about this. Oh, I may have tired eyes and so you also. Oh, I may have to wear glasses the rest of my life or contacts or whatever. Small potatoes. I will never be barren or dry. For the word of God will come into me and I'll study it and live in it and squint at it. But I will never have disaster. Amen. You are not a people of disaster. You have struggles. You have difficulties. But he said that, that death, oh, where is its sting? That he has turned that corruptible into incorruptibility. You are not a person of disaster because you have Christ. Is there any 
way that you can connect Christ with failure or disaster. Impossible. You have him and he has you. There is no disaster in your life. Only when you're separated from him. That's when the father says, cut it down. I am so glad that we are not fruitless. Not as an individual Christian, not as a body. God has been so good to us in this short time. I got a letter. May 15th. Dear friend of missionaries, put up this picture. Didn't mean for this to be Mission Sunday. We support six missionaries. We just told you about the missionaries coming next week. They are from Dominican Republic. That is Chad and Terry Nelson. These are missionaries to Spain. I worked with this man at Victory in Colorado, a great man of God. I know he's white as white can be. He's from Oregon. He grew up as a missionary kid in Mexico, and he was our Spanish pastor. Yes, people asked him if he was albino and everything else. (laughs) That's the way God works, I'm just going to tell you. He is the most gifted evangelist I've ever met. Ever. I, even to the point you hate these people. I plowed and worked so hard in youth. I mean, I'm working, discipling the kids, trying to. He got in there and preached my first Wednesday night. I could you not. He was like Gouda, Limburger, Swiss cheese, and three kids got saved. And one of them had been in the youth group for like eight months. Eight months. They're coming up to the altar. I'm like, oh, how do you, I'm just being honest, guys. I've been working. This guy just gets it. He just, he's a gifted anointed. It's his gifting, his evangelism. They, I'm sorry, that was personal. They just left for Spain. This is their mission organization. Rejoice with us. Ryan and Christy Thomas completed their training and received final clearance to leave for Spain. The monthly support you and others commit have helped them reach their goal. You launched missionaries last month and you didn't even know it. Now you do. I want you to understand that we are not fruitless in anything we do. Spain is called the graveyard of missionaries because less than 2% are Christians. It is extremely small and it's the gateway. It's kind of the leaping point into the 1040 window. And Europe, Europe, which is obviously being overrun by Muslims and everything else, God is going to move. Oh, we are not fruitless. We are not barren. Look at this one other picture here, their kids. Let's get the, that's, that's, that's the, the cropped photo. Let's look at the real deal. That's their entire life landing in Spain right there. This is why you pray for missionaries. This is why you support them. Because everything they own right there, there it is. That's them. That's not a third world country either. It's difficult ministry, and they're going to be successful. But three kids, re, he's the exact same age as me. Two years of training, he's no rookie missionary either, and all of that, and there's their life. Tell me when the Bible says they love not this world to the end, that it didn't matter to them, they just wanted the gospel. Come on, that's it right there. I love it. That's you guys. Amen? That's you. You get to be involved. Something so beautiful, so wonderful, we will not see disaster because we will never be fruitless. Let's keep looking here. Verse 8, back in Luke 13. But he answered and said to him, But light called out into darkness. 
But he, Jesus, answered, Who will go for us? And who will stand in the gap for us? I looked, but there was none. Just walking through the Bible. And the elder looked, and there was no one worthy to open the scroll or look at the scroll. No one in heaven or on earth. So I wept much. But he laid his hand on me. The elder laid his hand on John and said, do not weep. There is one worthy to open the scroll and to look thereon. But he answered and said to me, sir, let it alone this year also until I. Oh, until I. Until I do the work. Till who digs around it? Till who puts Manure in it? Why in the world is that in the Bible? Why in the world is that in the Bible, right? You ever ask yourself? I don't need to be in there. I mean, we get it. We know the way it works. Because God the Father in all his, ma- in all his majesty and greatness was wrapped in flesh and blood. So simple. In fact, the Bible says there was no beauty that we should behold in. There was no look in him that we should desire him. He was stricken by man, abased, until I dig around it and I put in it. What a beautiful picture of salvation it is. Sir, let it alone this year also, because something's going to happen this year that will change all of mankind. Something's going to happen this year that will divide time itself between A.D. and B.C. This year also. Until I dig around it and fertilize it. And this year, the year of salvation, if someone finds salvation from my work, then they'll be saved forever. And if not, then you can cut it down. There's a beautiful picture of salvation there that Jesus proclaims. You know, he starts so strongly with this group, and he ends so beautifully, doesn't he, with the picture of salvation. Number three on your notes, lastly. God gives second chance seasons. Just let me do the work in it. Give me another year with this and I'll finish it. It's such a beautiful, oh, only Jesus can do that. He gives second chance seasons. I read a funny story. (laughs) Not funny, amazing. A teenager fell six stories from a window balcony and walked away. Michael was his name, Matthew, excuse me, was trying to grab a towel that had fluttered, like had had gone to the next part of the balcony by the wind, and he reached up to grab it, and he just wasn't thinking he was a kid, and he fell six stories, bounced off a, a shingled roof, fell to the ground in some hedges, got up and walked away from Gainesville, Florida. He said, I fell off my eyes, I just closed my eyes. He had nothing but scrapes and bruises on his back and legs. He got went up to the balcony after he fell. After the landing, he got up and started back. He said the paramedics came and brought him to the hospital, showed that everything was fine, all the scans and everything. 
His sister Mandy says, well, this was a God is real kind of event, she said. There's just a God of second chances. Physical second chances, salvation, a God that calls out, a God that runs to the prodigal. That's just our God, isn't it? Let's stand up. Let's just spend some time with the Lord. You're in different seasons of your life. There's one something that we need to adopt individually and as a group, as a church. It's so important for our culture here. Is that God is expecting fruit and we're not going to be silent about it. The fruit of our lips, the fruit of our time, our talent, our resources. Amen. That's our culture here. That's what we're producing. That's how you get healthy soil. And when people see that, like, wow, they are in the right place. Because we're going to have fruit, the disastrous life is not ours. In deepest love, but in deepest conviction, we need to tell people, without Christ, it's not bad or less than or alternative lifestyle or this or that. It's disaster. Amen. It's disaster without him. In the deepest love and deepest conviction we can, it is disaster. To tell anyone anything different is sin because it's wrong. It would be a lie. So that's who we're going to commit to be this morning, right? That's who God has called us to be. And oh, whatever you're dealing with, whatever you're going through, he's the God of second chances. So as we end, I'm going to give you a couple minutes with Jesus. And then we're going to obey the word and have some fruit of our lips. So just spend a minute with Jesus. Something that really hits your scripture. God speaking to you. Go ahead. Just you and Jesus. Let's come to the Lord and say, Lord, you dig around me. You can dig wherever you want to dig. You can put in whatever you want to put in. I just don't want to be barren in that area. 
Say, Lord, dig. Maybe this year it's going to be a year where God really wants to dig some things, change that soil, change that pH level in that soil so you can produce fruit. It's always the unseen that produces the seen. He wants to change the unseen areas of your life, the alone times of your life. Then you will produce in the seen. That's our prayer. Let's pray that, and then we're going to end our service with the fruit of our lips, with worshiping Him. We're not going to be silent on that. We're going to bring something. He's expecting fruit. So let's pray. Lord, I thank you that you are going deep into the areas of our life. We give you full permission. Here we are. Dig up wherever you need to dig up. Put in whatever you need to put in, God. Oh, and put in your life. That's what changes us. We thank you, Lord, that you're pruning and causing us to produce more fruit. We are not those that are cut down. No, we're of the vine connected to Jesus Christ. Just real quickly, if you're in here and you don't know Christ as Savior, you don't know this. You've never experienced the life of Jesus. You say, I don't know Jesus. The danger of being cut down looms over you every day. If Christ is your Savior, then you can never be cut apart. If you're here and you don't know Jesus and you want to know him today, is there anyone like that? Raise your hand if you're in here like that. Well, let's come to him as we close our service. Lord, we thank you. You have full permission. Dig around us. Dig around us. Oh, he's already done it. He's moved you. He's done different things. He's already been digging. Oh, yes, Lord. We thank you that you're going to continue to dig and cultivate us so that we are producing even more fruit. And we will not be silent, but all the praise and all the glory and all the honor will go to you and you alone. And we'll start it right now. Let's worship him. Let's praise him. It's your breath in our lungs, so we pour out our praise, pour out our praise. It's your breath in our lungs, so we pour out our praise to you only. It's your breath in our lungs, so we
breath in our mouth. So we of Jesus, we can come to you, never empty-handed, approaching the throne of grace. Lord, we give you our time, our talents, our resources. Oh, they're yours, Lord. Thank you, God, you are making, you are, we will never be barren because of our relationship with Jesus Christ, because where you placed us through the blood of the Lamb. Thank you for that, God. Let us proclaim with love. Let us proclaim with all conviction, disaster apart from Christ. Let us run every time to you that we need you. Let others see it. Thank you, God. We love you, Lord. We thank you for what you're doing in our life. In the name above all names, in the strong name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone said, amen. Now let's praise him one more time. Oh, one more time. One more time. We love you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen and amen and amen. God bless you. Have a great day.